Guten Erev Shabbos to our friends and members at the Westmount Shul. My, we had an amazing Shabbos last week in the cold weather again. Uh, our members uh, showed up to hear Parshas Para. And this week we uh, closed the circuit of the four special Torah readings, Parshas HaChodesh. And uh, we're very excited to welcome everyone in Shul. Some of the snowbirds are starting to come back. And uh, I want to discuss the following issue. There's one of the current events of this week, which happened in the uh, province of Ontario, specifically in Renfrew, Ontario. A young fellow by the name of Josh Alexander was arrested by police on Monday for breaching an exclusion order. But the real crime that the student is being punished for is upholding his Catholic beliefs and doing so in what some would no doubt think is a defiant and troublesome manner. This fellow Josh, a Christian teenager, believes there are only two genders, that people can't switch genders and that male students shouldn't use girls' washrooms. But expressing those views in a classroom discussion on gender at St. Joseph's Catholic High School in Renfrew, Ontario, got him suspended. He got suspended for comments he made during a class discussion. Josh says it was about male students using female washrooms, gender dysphoria, and male breastfeeding. Everyone was sharing their opinions on it. Any student who wanted to was participating, including the teacher. I said there were only two genders, and you were born either a male or a female, and that got me into trouble. And then I said that gender doesn't trump biology. To which the student said, freedom once taken for granted is lost. He says, freedom of religion is probably one of our most important freedoms, so I'm not going to surrender it in face of persecution. He says, it just goes to show how little freedom of expression we have in our country. Something for us to think about as Jews and what may happen to our freedom of expression. Hashem should help us. Now, the lawyer for this fellow said what happened was he was he was removed from school permanently. And the school told him that if he agreed not to use the, quote, dead name of any transgender student, meaning can't call them what they used to be, and if he agreed to exclude himself from his two afternoon classes because those classes are attended by two transgender students who disapprove of Josh's religious beliefs, only then could he come back which he refused, and he was thrown out of the school for such terrible behavior. Huh? Well, what did he do? He came back to school. And within two minutes, the school called the police, and he was arrested and removed. Okay, now certainly the first step is that we could say, you know, Baruch Hashem, Shalom Asani Goy, that we don't have these crooked IDs, idea, ideas, and therefore, all people who send their children to religious Jewish schools uh, don't have to deal with these things, at least in school. But what's the deeper message that we can learn from this, from this week's 
Torah portion. And <clears throat> this week's Torah portion, Moshe asks the people in Parshas Vayakel to bring donations to build the Mishkan. And everybody is bringing. And then Moshe announces not to bring any more donations as the Pasuk says that the work was Dayam, enough, and Vahoser, and there was left over an extra. Now that seems to be a contradiction. If the Torah says there's enough, then there wasn't any extra or surplus. So how can we say there wasn't any extra, there there was left over an extra, if you said there was enough. Enough means enough. It didn't say more than enough. It said enough. Enough means I gave enough. What do you mean left over an extra? So perhaps we can answer with a thought of Reb Simcha Bunim of Pesishcha. He comments in the Yishtabach prayer, we end the songs of praise, and we say that Hashem is Habocher, Hashem chooses, Bishirei Zimra, which literally means Hashem cho chooses songs of songs. Just say Habocher, Hashem chooses Shira, or say Habocher Zimra. So therefore, to answer that, Reb Sim says the following. He says the translation of Shirei is similar to the word Shiraim, which means leftovers. And he explains as follows. He says that there is a song that one sings because of an overwhelming joy and happiness. Nevertheless, after all is finished, and he finished singing, there still remains in one's heart all of that unexpressed song that could not be put into words or melody, one that just swells within him without any outlet. And this unsung zemer is what Hashem, this is the shirayim, the shirei. This is the leftover. This is the unsung zemer is what Hashem chooses over the one that was actually sung. Why? Because for remaining in its potential state, possesses an essence of deeper yearning quality than one already expressed. In other words, it's not like I sang, I'm finished, I'm a, I was Yoitze, Zion. <laughs> That's a very, no, it's a, okay, I finished thanking Hashem, I don't have to thank anymore. No, you're so excited, you, you wish you could keep singing, but you said everything they're saying, but the, but the feeling that's welling inside is still there. It's carrying. The song is carrying that tune. Lahavdo, we find certain secular songs that are so catchy that even when it stops playing, it's going over in your mind. But here, the, the actual love and praise that came out of your mouth, it just stays with you. You'd like to say more, but there's not more to say. That's what Sim Chabunim says, and Hashem chooses the Shirei Zimra, the leftovers, the Shirayim. Now we can apply this idea to the physical materials of the Mishkan. Well, from the aspect of physical materials, there was just enough for the total construction of the Mishkan. And they were told, it's enough, stop. Yet, the extras and surplus was perceived when one counted, as it were, the Shirei Zimra meaning the overflowing desires of the Jewish people to give in a greater abundance than was necessary. You see, when Klal Yisrael was restrained from bringing extra, they didn't feel relieved. 
<coughs> or Baruch Hashem, the pressure is finally off. Instead, they felt great disappointment and a letdown in the fact that they could not demonstrate and actualize their love further. And these desires were counted as the real building materials for the resting of the Shekhinah in its midst. And that's what the Torah is saying. Dayom, it was enough. And no more. But for but there was Shiraim. What was the Shiraim? The desire to give more. And you wish you could do more. And that's so precious to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the building of the Mishkan really defines for us the two types of Jews that exist. One Jew is labeled the Dayom. It's enough. The Jew does, does just enough to pass the requirement, but nothing in excess or adornment. When he receives an involuntary freedom pass for not fulfilling a mitzvah, he doesn't go through any pains of being unfortunate from his heavenly design that was decreed that he shouldn't do it. In other words, sometimes on a Monday and a Thursday after Chazar Sashats, when we expect a long Tachanun, the the, chazen, the 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 gabai claps on the beam and says, "Go on to Kaddish. There's no tachanun today. Whatever, it's a minor holiday. There's a bris, and everyone's free from that eight minutes of extra davening." And I once saw many years ago that that was announced, and then I saw a number of smiles on people. Yes, we don't have to say tachanun. There's some who, even if you don't say Tzitkos Chatzedek at Mincha uh, Shabbos, was only three psukim, is sometimes skipped. Even though you save, save about 10 seconds, you'll get excited. There's some Jews who are just happy. Thank God I don't have to do any more mitzvahs. On the other hand, we have what we call the Vahoser Jew, who always tries to do extra. So even when he is restrained from demonstrating his love and devotion, he doesn't rejoice over the fact of a missed opportunity. Rather, he makes an introspection as why did this happen to him? And he makes an inventory of his shortcomings to determine if there is a pattern that might have rippled, uh, affected, and created a lost of opportunity of sanctifying God's name. Similar to like Avram Avinu, after the Akeda, when Hashem said not to bring Yitzchak, he felt bad. So this second type of Jew is the Hosea Jew. That means he still would want to do more. And the Hosea Jew is the one that's identified and one with the Torah. Because if you take the words Hosea, hey, vav, saf, resh, it's the same letters as the word Torah, tough, vav, resh, hey. And therefore it's interesting that when during the Tochacha, the words of admonishment in the in, in Parshas Kisavo, it says we're punished because we did not worship Hashem with simcha. And that's a whole discussion what that means. We've given many interpretations, but the Katskarevi has a new slant on the Pasuk, and he says like this. He says, it's because you did not serve Hashem, and that means referring to opportunities that you weren't able to serve Hashem. And in those instances, when you weren't able to, what happened? You now were with simcha. <laughs> you were happy. You're happy you didn't have to do any more. And because of that response, you're deserving all this punishment. So the Chavetz Chaim brings us down to Halacha, this concept of Hoser, in Orachaim Simen Samach Beis. 
He comments on the words of the Ramah that it says, normally when a person's walking the street, he should keep his mind saying words of Torah, but what if he's in an area that's inappropriate to say the Shema or other words of Torah? So uh, the Halacha says in certain areas you say it in your heart. You don't say anything, you just think about it. But the Chavetz Chaim adds, if the environment totally forbids you even from thinking of Torah thoughts, so then what are you supposed to do? A person can't not think at all. So he says he should feel the agony of not being able to fulfill this mitzvah and Hashem will look into his heart and reward him for such thoughts and feelings. Interestingly, there was once a, a rabbi who mentioned that when you, you know, you know people would check yeshivas to find um, suitable son-in-laws to, to marry their daughters, and they were looking for a guy who really studies learning Torah. And there are certain people who, you know, they'd even go to the yeshiva and check them out. But the smart ones, they didn't check to see if the bucker is learning because that's obviously has to be learning. In other words, when they walked in, they want to see the bucker who's studying, he's not sleeping, and he's excited, and he's got spirit. That is like, if you don't have that, don't even, for, don't even discuss this. But the real litmus test is how the young man closed his Gemara. Now, obviously, he's expected to close it in order, let's say, to go to lunch or to go to sleep. But there's a close and there's a close. If one could perceive that the close of his Gemara was not with a jubilance and the happiness of the Petur, oh, I don't have to learn anymore. Seder's over. But if it's visible that it was a closure that one could feel the reluctance and the difficulty being experienced by the Bachar at that time, oh, that's the candidate chosen for a Torah career. He was what we'll call the Hoser Bachar who shared the letters of the Torah. And that's our goal in life. And therefore, we're so happy. Some people, they see it's cold, it's snowy. Oh, I have an exemption. I could slip, I could this. Okay. Question is, how do you feel about it? Do you feel, oh, my Shabbos, why did Hashem do this? I couldn't lose. Or maybe people would try to overcome it and say, I'm not going to rely on that pitur, so to speak. But we have to understand, sometimes in life, you can't do certain things that you really want to do. There are Jews who really wanted to give more to the base of Ekdash. They really wanted to. Hashem says no. But if that, if you're sincere, you'll understand to accept the no and the wanting is so special to Hashem. And therefore you have to realize that not always in life can we do the things that are really, and we're not talking about, you know, you, you want to uh, you wanna make a lot of money, didn't make a lot of money, feel bad about it. I'm not talking about, I'm talking real spiritual ideas. You really want to grow in Yiddishkeit and for whatever reason, it's not happening. Let me give you a couple, two examples of this. Let's look at Simchus Torah, a very, and Purim for that matter. But it's an amazing yontif. We celebrate the completion of the yearly cycle of the Torah we dance with the Torah. And why is it so important to dance with the Torah? So the answer is that uh, through dancing with the Torah, the, the Hasidic Rebbe say, a Jew becomes the Torah's feet. He helps the Torah j- dance with unlimited joy. 
During the entire year, we learn Torah and derive joy from Torah. But that joy is limited. On Simcha's Torah, the joy is unlimited. And we can mamish give the potential to feel the joy derived from Torah in the year to come. It's a very inspiring explanation, except for one thing. All this dancing occurs in the men's section of the synagogue. The women just sit and watch. And someone once wrote a letter to Lubavitcher Rebbe and says, as a woman, I feel each year on Simcha Surah that I'm missing out on the central theme of the holiday. And I wonder how could I too tap into the unlimited joy of Simcha Surah. So similarly, Rabbi Shlomo Riskin asked the Lubavitcher Rebbe whether it's proper to allow women to dance with the Torah on Simcha's Torah in a separate room from the men. And the Rebbe replied like this. He says, one may not change the established custom at all. And in particular, and it is not at all permitted for the women to conduct hakafas with the Sefer Torah. However, the Rebbe mentions that he intentionally refrained from using the word limitation in this context. Because this decision is definitely not meant to impose a limitation. Because the Torah is referred to as a Torah of kindness. And whatever may seem to be a limitation is definitely not that. And on the contrary, if Chazal have understood this decision that women do not dance with the Torah, it's for a tremendous benefit of those who are affected by it. And he closed by quoting what the Chazal say. Just as we receive a reward for doing positive acts, we also sometimes receive a reward from refraining from a positive act. So obviously the Rebbe did acknowledge the concern that some women have and feel about this. But he says women should realize they'll receive a benefit and reward for not participating in the dancing. Similarly, sometimes people aren't in jail or in an environment where full misobservance is not possible. Lolano, a person in jail has very limited resources of any sort, may not have the basic items to perform mitzvahs. He may wonder, why can't I do the mitzvahs like other people can? Is there some way to I can do the mitzvahs? What if a person's sick? Is there some way I can do the mitzvahs? And we know the famous story with the two Hasidic masters and brothers, Rabbi Elimelech of Lezhinsk and Rabbi Zusha of Anapoli. They used to travel together. And they got on trumped up charges. They were put in a jail. And they're sitting in a jail with a bunch of other Polish hoodlums. And it's time to daven Mincha. And Rabbi Yimelech prepared to daven. But Rabbi Zusha reminded him, no, there's, there's a big uh, foul-smelling pail nearby that was used as a toilet. They weren't allowed to pray in that area. And Rabbi Yimelech felt very bad and was thinking, why do I have to be in a place so dirty that I can't say my prayers? And Reb Zusha pointed out to him that although they were missing out on the opportunity to say the prayers, they now had the opportunity to fulfill a different mitzvah, not to say prayers in such a dirty place. Well, they were so happy, uh, Reb uh, Elimech became so happy when he heard that, they could still connect to Hashem, though in a different way than expected. He starts dancing, the brother dances, all the Polish non-Jews there are dancing, why not dance? The jail guard comes uh, guard to see what's going on. And when he found out that the dancing was because of the smelly pail, he said, well, you're so happy about the pail, I'll take it out. <laughs> and then after that, they were even happier because now they could daven. 
So what do you see? Rabbi Elimelech and Rabbi Zusha looked at even a bleak situation as an opportunity to connect to Hashem. Their joy at serving Hashem in that situation gives Hashem even more nachas. And it directly led to a situation of even greater joy. So we could see how one can connect with God by not doing something just as one can connect with Him by doing something. It's a big side for us to realize two points. Number one, if you don't have an opportunity to do something, you shouldn't be joyful that, oh, I don't have to do it anymore. But rather, you should have a certain sadness in saying, wow, I wish I could do it. But then step two is, and Hashem appreciates that. He says, I wish I could do more. But then you say, but you know what? If Hashem doesn't want me to do it, then obviously the best thing for me is not to do it and to find something else to do. I wanted to give more to the Mishkan. No, we don't need any more. But I really want, I really want. I want can't I give a little more? No, no, no. But Hashem rewards that want. But then for that to be rewarded, you have to realize, so there must be something else not in conflict with that. There must be something else for a woman to draw her satisfaction from Simcha's Torah and not from taking out the Sefer Torah and dancing with it. There must be a way for a person in jail or sick who cannot serve Hashem in that way to thank Hashem and say, I wish I could do more. I and Hashem will appreciate that and reward you for that. And then say, you know what? Hashem, there must be something else I meant to do. As we said in the story, I don't remember when I said the story, there was once a, a sick person who couldn't do anything. He mamish couldn't move his body. He's just in the hospital bed. Someone comes to him and, and figures he's going to be very downcast. And he sees he's smiling and he asks, why are you smiling? He says, you know what? I'm smiling because we know a sick person, the Shekhinah rests right over him. And I am sick. And I know the Shekhinah is resting right over me. I have two choices. I could be glum and grim about everything and forlorn. But we know the sim that the Shekhinah does not rest in a place of sadness. Then the Shekhinah will go away. I did not choose such a job and such a task. But if I say the Simcha, I'm keeping the Shechina here. There's nothing greater than that. That's why I am happy. So we see that, uh, so let's go back to our little story about our Josh Alexander. You see, Hashem created us with different genders. And as much as, you know, a human being could think that he'd be happier with another gender. He has to be happy with the shirayim, so to speak. To say, okay, you're a, you're, a, you're a boy, and you wish you could be a girl. You wish you could be a girl. And then you could swim with the girls and defeat all the girls. You know, you got to realize, Hashem created you a certain way, and it's not going to ever change. So, is Hashem diminishing a man that he can't be a woman? Is he diminishing a woman that he can't be a man? Now, is it wrong for per se, well, I wish I was the other gender? Well, if, if you have a legitimate reason such as, oh, Hashem, I would be able to serve you much better if I was a woman. Okay, let's say you feel that way. We cannot deny those feelings. And we're not going to say that you're a crazy person at least not publicly. 
But take that and say, but you know what, God? You created me the gender that I am. And you know what? Even though I think I'd be better with a different gender, but you created me at this gender. And I believe you know what you're doing. And therefore, as much as I would have felt that the other gender would have suited my personality, obviously you feel there's much better things in store for me if I would serve you the way you created me. And then we wouldn't have any of this discussion. And Baruch Hashem, we still have very good Orthodox schools, elementary schools, high schools that don't cave into this wokeness. And therefore, we have to appreciate from this week's Parsha that uh, what opportunities are in life that Hashem gives us. And we have to realize that the purpose of any obstacle that we go through is to somehow lead to the performance of something else. And to be happy serving Hashem, even if it is in a way that I didn't expect. And to realize that God rewards us from refrain, for refraining from doing what's not allowed, just as he rewards us for doing when you are allowed. And finally, to be happy knowing that your joy in serving Hashem, however you can, bring even more opportunities to serve Hashem with joy. And therefore, with the last few weeks, Shabbos has been nasty weather. And you know what? It's not what we planned on. It's not what we're crazy about. But you know what? We're thrilled to be able to show Hashem how much we care about. We're coming out of Pesach. Not everybody can afford to go away for Pesach. Not everybody can. Not everybody can afford all the luxuries of Pesach. But whatever that Hashem gives us, we're thrilled. If that's the way Hashem wants me to do it, I will. And ultimately, it's that attitude. That Hashem chooses the leftovers. Hashem chooses what, what you want to do more. And even though you can't, but you accept it. And you ultimately realize that you will get more in an area you didn't expect. Hashem should bless us all to have that simcha. And to find blessings in areas that we did not expect. For accepting with love the decisions that Hashem makes. Have a wonderful Shabbos, hope to see you all in shul.